So welcome to the Speak Up podcast with Laura Camacho. And today I have a very cool guest named Simon Severino, who is, he's reporting in from Vienna, Austria. How cool is that? And I told him that I've always wanted to go to Vienna. And he told me that I don't need to worry that it's still the same and that it's going to be, everything is in place waiting for me whenever I get over there. Which I believe, isn't that where uh, Mozart, is that where he lived or he recorded? or I mean, he didn't record, but is that where he lived most of his life? Yes. If you go to Salzburg, you see the house where he was born and you see where he worked for a very long period of time. Yeah. We like to think of everybody that we, we love, we say they are Austrians. So we say Mozart and Beethoven are Austrians and people we don't like, we say they are Germans, like Hitler is a German. <laughs> Good. Well, my husband is a professional violinist, so he wants to go for the music. So anyway, but we this is a short edition of the podcast because we everybody is super busy. I want you to know that Simon is the author of Strategy Sprints. And for I know a lot of you in this audience are doing sprints all the time. You know, a sprint is when you decide to do something in a short amount of time. Simon is also the number one speaker on agile strategy and agile sales. And I know a lot of you listening are big fans of agile. If you're not, if you don't know what agile is, it's just a, a way of working that is more efficient. It's a, it's a kind of a methodology. But I've got a few questions to ask Simon because he's really good at uh, helping companies and parts of companies become more effective. And he has this concept that I'm going to start off by asking about the wow, he, the wow factor for you. Like, what is that? Number one. And number two, how do you do that? So in the strategy sprints method, we have just 90 days to double revenue of our clients. Whoa. So we have to come up with good ideas. And there is a process how we come up with those ideas. One of those processes, we have 274 processes, but one of those processes is called shorten the time to wow. And this it's three steps. The first is, what's the magic that you create? If I work with you for three months, mm -hmm. what's the transformation? What is the Simon after working with you three months? Mm -hmm. What's the magic? What's transformed? And now, and then the second step is, all right, how can we make a taste of that happen in the first week, maybe mm -hmm. in the first day? Mm -hmm. And then we build it. Step three, we create a client onboarding system, which ensures that the first week of the client, there is a wow. That wow that would usually happen three months later, it happens in the first week. I can, I can share an example. So one of our yeah. clients was a competitor to MailChimp and they go, oh, we are losing so many clients in the free trial. And mm -hmm. so we go, all right, what's the wow later on? Well, the wow is they run a small business, but it feels like professional marketing of a big business. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. How can we make that a taste of that in the first week? Oh, we don't know. We need them to upload their CSV file. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no way. Most people don't even know what a CSV file is. Don't right. know. I'm running away if that's the onboarding experience. So how can we change that? First, that experience that you just told me. 
And then we workshopped it a little bit. Now in the first four hours, hey, welcome. You are here in the free trial. I see that you, you sell flowers. Here on the left side, three images of flowers. Pick your favorite one. Here on the upside, three copy, swipe copies about flowers. Please click your favorite one. Here, three call to actions. Please pick your favorite ones and then send it. And then comes, you know, confetti and they go, bravo, you just sent an email that is so professional, like a big business, but you are a small business. How does it feel? And so the wow experience is already there and then follows up an email, which says, by the way, we can help you do much more with your emails. Can we teach you a little bit? And we need to understand who you are sending to. So can you please upload your contacts? Now, please give us your CSV file. Ah, okay. After they've had that win. And it's different. It's a small tweak, Mm -hmm. but the difference was 80% less churn from Mm -hmm. the free week to becoming a client. 80% more sales just with this small tweak. And it's a three-step process. What's the magic? How can you make it happen now? Create the onboarding system. Mm-hmm. So how would you apply that if you're a project, a program manager in a large tech company or you're a, a vice president of a financial services company? Like, can you give me a little bit of how that would work? I mean, I can kind of figure out that, yeah, the wow is it's a little bit different because your client is probably internal. But do you have any stories about that? The client is never internal. So let's go with the VP of the vice president of the financial services. Is their client really internal? We we are systems thinkers. So we Mm -hmm. think always the value creation is always outside. And then there is a chain of of command and a chain of work, of Mm -hmm. collaboration Mm -hmm. that goes up to inside. But Mm -hmm. who are we doing? Who are we serving here? Always the client. So I'm the VP of sales and I think, okay, let's map it out. Let's map how we create value, awareness, engagement stage, making them ready to buy, selling, delivering, upselling, retaining. Mm -hmm. Each stage has a conversion rate. Now, sprint coaches, please help me measure every conversion rate every seven days. I want to know my numbers, my reality, and then help me identify that one bottleneck right now. What's the weakest point? Now we will improve that point. Before we have many projects going on, we just solve one bottleneck after the other. That's the sprint mm-hmm. method. Mm-hmm. Now, they will have different problems. If they're financial services, one problem in the onboarding is KYC, you know, know your customers, and then all these requirements that are super boring on both sides. Mm-hmm. Both sides mm-hmm. hate it. And so we are working right now with financial services. Uh, Many of our clients right now are financial services and many are thinking about the onboarding. How can I make that smoother? Mm -hmm. Using a little bit of AI and how can you upload files easier? It's similar to the CSV problem, actually. Right. Because it's it's all document, uploading of documents. Make a picture of your passport. Uh, Are you an accredited investor? Show me the... the, Yeah. It's it's awful. Very bureaucratic. Very bureaucratic. Very, very. And so even if I I wanted to become a client of BlackRock, Mm -hmm. believe me, I will go and buy Bitcoin directly because it's much more fun. It's easier instead of becoming a client of such with such an onboarding system. Right. So 
what we are working on with this VP of, of, of financial services is how can we make the, the onboarding smoother? Mm-hmm. How can we become cooler? Speak the language of the other side. The other side is millennials. They are getting their money from, you know, they're they're getting now the portfolios. Will they take the same decisions? What are their, their problems? They have much more options. They see the blockchain technologies. They see right. that they can become their own bank. So it's a very different set of beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so our marketing systems, they are all around beliefs. What's on the other side? What's in their head? At which bus stop do we need to pick them up? And so we start from their current belief. And their current belief might be, I want to be my own bank. Okay. So it's a very different starting point for your marketing. <laughs> and from there, we back engineer their belief. Okay, I'll pick you up at your bus stop. You want to be your own bank. All right. Yeah, I got you. And then the next email, so we call it the relationship building sequence, is a series of experiences with the mm-hmm. brand that moves them from their belief to the final belief, which is the best way for you to solve your current main problem is to buy our offer because that's exactly what you need right now. That's always right. the last belief of everybody in marketing. Right. And so, and how do you move them from their belief to that belief? That's, for example, another one of our blueprints and processes. And there are seven specific steps how to get there. And then the cool thing is you can then reduce sales time by up to 25% by doing that, which which is really important for a VP of a financial services company to reduce sales time, time from awareness to closing. Really important. Absolutely. I think that financial services as an industry is just... Waiting is going to be so disruptive. I guess it already is uh, with the startups in that ripe. space. It is, is ripe for ripe. destruction. Yeah, so it sounds like you're ready to uh, help companies manage that and adapt to the to the new realities. That's super interesting. So I we want- are coaching both sides. We are coaching the the traditional institutions who need mm-hmm. to become quicker because Swift. Yes is the opposite of swift <laughs> it, it, it never it's it's ne- it was never swift right. no, and it's full of friction and it's bureaucratic and it's really slow and uh, and so we help them become more agile and on the other side we are also coaching the blockchain teams who they come immediately and they go no 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 i do this now immediately distributed immediately without any friction everybody has access to the public ledger it's immutable you can change the information on there from everywhere. Uh, even unbanked people can bank themselves, which is quite important in in most countries. Just the US and Europe, we have we don't have that problem of having so many unbanked people, but most right. countries have. Right. So this is uh, kind of unrelated, but I'm going to ask you <laughs> because you seem to have a lot of knowledge in the SWIFT system. So is Ripple going to replace some of us of that business, do you think? Well, <laughs> Ripple is under investigation by the SEC <laughs> right now. I don't think that particular project uh, will be mm-hmm. around uh, very long. I wouldn't bet on that particular project. But what you see is that the world needs a better way of yes. organizing trust. And so we we went from a trust-based system, which right. is highly corruptible and highly corrupted, yeah, and we are all say. part of this, and I am part right. of this, and we are all right. part of the corruption of that old system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And we are transitioning to a trustless system, which nobody can corrupt. And that's, of course, it's wonderful to be in this stage of the planetary evolution because it's a historical moment. It's it's the internet for everything. Right. It's immutable. It's fair. It does not make a differentiation in terms of power distribution. And and everybody on the planet has the same distance to the center of it. And I think that's why for the planet, it's the best thing. Yes. Um, definitely. Uh, the wow. blockchain, blockchain is solving real world problems. That's right. So uh, people listening to this, you're getting like the future. We're bringing it to you today on the Speak Up podcast with talking to Simon. And as you can tell, he works with... Definitely people who are disrupting probably more. We've talked about the financial industry, but all kinds of businesses. So I know that you work with CEOs a lot and you have some, well, some of you call CEO habits. And the people listening are mostly not CEOs, but they're directors and vice presidents and some owners of smaller companies. So I want you to tell us about if we all want to become CEOs of our companies or move up to the next level. That's why they're listening. They're listening to us to pick up some tips to be more effective leaders and more effective professionals and more effective communicators. What are these CEO habits that we should be adopting? I just shared them in my book, Strategy Sprints, which just came out on Amazon. And I'm so happy. <laughs> You're the, yeah. And I'm so happy that. I have these three habits because otherwise I would have been lost in these very volatile years with supply chain disrupted and everything disrupted. Oh, yeah, disrupted. craziness. So, so, much, so, so much has happened that we thought was impossible. Yeah. And so when everything around me is out of my control, what is it really that I can control? I cannot control my sales. I cannot control people fluctuation. I cannot control supply chain disruptions. What can I really control? I think we can control only 5%. And these are the three habits. Daily habit, how am I allocating my time today? And what will I learn from it for tomorrow? Weekly habit, give me a real-time dashboard of my main marketing numbers, sales numbers, ops numbers right now. And let's learn from that every week. Mm -hmm. The whole team learns from those three numbers every week. And then the monthly habit is, okay, in 90 days, what are our top three goals? What are the three numbers that will get us there, that will show us that we are moving there in the right speed, in the right direction? What is competition doing? Do we need to care? Do we need to change anything or not? That's the monthly habit, competitive analysis and budgeting. With these three habits, you can survive any tough market, any tough supply chain disruption, any tough year, because every day you pay attention to the flow of things, to what you are doing. Are you really doing what moves the whole business forward? So how much are you working on the business versus in the business? Are you doing stuff that really moves the whole thing forward or just parts? Are you doing the things that give you energy versus take you energy? And every day you get some hints on what you can delegate next, automate next, outsource next, or just cut 
That's the daily practice. Then the weekly habit is, okay, the whole team sees this dashboard. And so the marketing people, the sales people, the operations people, we all look at one dashboard. Now this doesn't feel like work anymore. It's like friends playing basket. One goal, it's there in front of us. It's very clear. Now, what's the opposite? If you don't have that, you don't really know the task, if it's working or not. So if I ask you, please, can you improve our website? How do you know when you have improved the website? Right. How do you know that? <laughs> exactly. How do you know that it's done and you can go on holidays and you can go into the weekend? How do you know? So if you don't have this dashboard, you cannot possibly know if your task is done or not. Because the task will be done when you measure the marketing number. Marketing number was, okay, number of unique visitors this week on mm -hmm. the website. Mm -hmm. How many of them clicked what we want them to click? Right. What happened right. afterward? Did they jump on the sales call or not? How many right. did we lose in the cart, in on that page? How many follow-ups did we miss? Why? If you don't know that, you are not done with building the website because you don't even know if it's working. Right. Okay. But what if you're, the, some people listening to this are creative directors or they work in the, you know, the creative aspect of a company and they don't know how to build a dashboard. Like how can someone like that find those indicators and build a dashboard? That's why I have sprint coaches in every time zones on the planet that are doing this. The dashboards are ready. It's a simple spreadsheet, works works in every environment because it's a simple spreadsheet and every every company can use spreadsheets and is using spreadsheets. Yes. Yes. So they will just hit copy, copy it onto their system and they'll have 10 minutes later, we have the three KPIs with them. We have a list of possible KPIs. We have a list of forbidden KPIs. They are not oh, allowed. Wow. Can yes. you give us an example? A, a white list one? and a black list of KPIs. What, what would be one? Just give me an example of what would be a black or a negative on the black list of a KPI that we should never be lo looking at. Yeah, for example, KPIs that don't tell you anything. So some people have for the website in the marketing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. KPIs, they have, for example, watch time, mm -hmm. watch time of your, or oh, duration, right. how right, long are people on your right. website? Right. Now for, for many businesses, it's irrelevant. It doesn't tell you anything. If they are longer on the website, doesn't mean that they convert more into clients. If they are shorter on your website, doesn't mean that they convert more into clients only if you are a content business, let's say if you are Wikipedia, then maybe that's relevant, but not even there. Maybe you just get to the info and move on. And that's and that would be a short duration, but a high fulfillment of what you are meant to do. Mm -hmm. So there are some metrics that are just irrelevant. And it's really important to pick the right ones. For example, we have a VC firm that tells me number of proposed contracts. I don't care about the number of proposed contracts. I care about the number of closed deals. Mm -hmm. But isn't that a function of the first that like like one out of 10 is going to be closed? Of course. But is this the most important thing that your whole team wants to look at every seven days? No, there will be people who have to look mm -hmm. at it every day. 
but not the whole team. What we are doing now is the three most important numbers that your whole team looks at. If you're looking at all the numbers all the time, you are just distracted. You will just burn out. So mm -hmm. we have to simplify. The dashboard must be fun to look at. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you need to see it going up all the time. Otherwise, it's not fun. Right. And so it's like Angry Birds. You shoot the bird. It says 500 points. It doesn't say, come back in three weeks and I will tell you your analysis report. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, right, right. It, it right must away. be immediate. You look at it right. and you go, all right, marketing is working, sales is not working, operations is working, let's repair sales. Wow, that's so, that's fascinating. I'm blown away that that exists and that you can just plug and play basically because of the, the work that you put into, into figuring out what are the things that move the needle, right? Because a lot yeah. of times we, we measure, I even see this, in my work with uh, communication skills, that people measure things that are easy to measure, but they don't—they're irrelevant. Yes, I was measuring. I—I'm I, I, guilty of that also. I was measuring what was it—a really irrelevant number about my YouTube channel—and I was measuring like watch time of YouTube watch time. And then right. I had a YouTube coach, and he looks at it and goes, "Simon, come on, you have like." A couple hundred subscribers. Who cares about watch time? Come on, look at the really important things. <laughs> yeah, like, and I was like, "You are right. You are right. It's yes. irrelevant. It's just easy to measure, and it gives us some, you know, some quick positive feeling. But it's not really telling you what you want to know. You want to know, am I winning in this or not? If not, right. I have to repair it. If yes, let's do a little bit more. Okay, Simon. So let me ask you something. Let's pretend that someone wants to ask you, they just, they come to you and this is not your specialty. I just want to know, like, what would your advice be? They say, Simon, I'm a, I don't know, senior director of something at some big company, but I, and I, to get ready for the next level, I want to communicate better. What would you tell them? Well, I hope that, uh, you communicate better and all the time. That's a lifelong goal. But what does it mean in the next 90 days? And if you communicate better, so, okay, these three things will happen in the next 90 days that you will have as tangible proof that you are communicating better. And probably now if you are running such a complex system, it's not about you communicating better. You are leading leaders so how will right. we measure that your people are communicating better? Because you are now, you are now the communication platform. You are not the communicator. Right. You have to think about, you know, it's you are not the DJ, you are the dance floor in turn. Right. So it's oh about it's about rules of communication, of engagement, the culture, the governance, the words in use, and the engagement level. And so we have to think much more in terms of network effects, of engagement. Dao Mao uh, KPIs are much more important than you know the number of communication events that you do, and it's right. more more about the ecosystem and how it communicates and how many nodes in the network communicate. Mm -hmm. um, these would be things that I look at. So, in terms of KPI, I would look at Dao Mao, for example, internal communication systems, number of engagement moments per week per month distribution of communication is just three people talking or 700 
Right, right. And communication, is it one way information or is it both ways communication? How much is communication versus information? So these are things that I would look at and then we would define them with them and say, okay, in 90 days, you want to have a Dao Mao up 17%, mm-hmm. a number of events by started by non-executives, you want it to go up 14%. And you want to have, I don't know, an and an employee survey rate mm-hmm. of an, an internal NPS, a team NPS of 70 instead of 50. All right, now we have three KPIs. We will measure that every week. Wow, that's so cool. I just love your approach to the communication. I know we're about out of time and I want to ask one more thing before I let you go. And remember that Simon is author of Strategy Sprints. And I'll link to that, of course, in the show notes and in my newsletter. But I, you have developed this concept called ROL. And of course, I thought it was return on learning because as a you know a teacher business and an educational service, that's I'm always thinking that L is for Laura or learning, but it's for luck. So how does that work? Jim Collins came up with this return on luck thing. He was researching, why do some teams crush it and others don't? And he said, luck lands on their desk, not on the other's desk. What is the difference in their behavior? And he started researching that and I continued researching that. And what I, what we see is, is execution is the difference. So... Mm-hmm. If we run two teams, one team has just a traditional project management where they just run one three-month project, measure it every month. After three months, they go, oh, surprise, it didn't work. Like, uh, (laughs) for example, CNN Plus, Mm -hmm. 300 millions, zero results. (laughs) Yes. That's traditional project management in a modern world. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So... I could have told you with 30K <laughs> if it works by doing it in an agile way. Right. What's the agile way? The agile way is you cut it in much smaller pieces. You start with your thesis, your assumption, mm-hmm. and you write it down. And then you build many little experiments, many little prototypes, and you test them. Elon Musk mm-hmm. is doing that all the time. Many, many, many smart entrepreneurs right. are doing right. that yes. all the time. True. All yes, the time. Right. Yes. Architects. They first create a prototype and then they create the house. Elon Musk first creates a website and says, send me your money. Then maybe I build a car. That's a prototype. And so in an agile way, you would make it small. You would test it first. And then when it works, you roll it out and not not before. That's the difference between traditional project management and agile project management. Okay, super interesting. Well, thank you so much. This has been very interesting. Tell me the people that are listening to this, they want to know more about you. You can, of course, find his book, Strategy Sprints. Is there anything you want to close with? I'll let you have the last, you can say whatever you want to, to the people listening to this. They're all super smart and I'm sure they would like to hear one more something from you. What would that be? I have this book, Strategy Sprints, here on my desk. Mm-hmm. And every couple of days, even if I wrote it, every couple of days, I just revisit it. So if my sales is not working well, I go to chapter three, sales. 
and I go, wait, a, what, a, what, wait a moment, what did I forgot? Because, and and then it's it's my checklist. I go through it and I say, ah, this thing. Look, I'm not doing, I'm not doing this thing, this thing. I forgot this thing here. <laughs> and if my marketing doesn't work in a in a month, I go to chapter two marketing and I go, ah, why is it not working? What 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 would I advise myself? Ah, look. I didn't, I didn't stick to this. I just jumped over it like everybody. And so I literally use this as a checklist, as a daily manual on how to run my business. And if you think of the price, it's a bargain to have a manual for how to run a business on your desk for, I don't know, 20 bucks. Yes. Pretty good deal. And you don't don't have to be a business owner to, to appreciate that. You can, because actually everybody no matter what your job role is, you're the CEO of your own career. And I'm sure you will find lots of tidbits in his book as you've gotten from this fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.